wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also presenter of Drive Time every Tuesday and Wednesday. And this week, uh, we're following the theme that's celebrating our regular week of prayer. Now, we're going to come back to that in just a moment and explain exactly what that is. We've been following it all this week, but uh, we've got a really important lady here in our studio today, and uh, we want to uh, toss a few questions uh, her way. Uh, now, look, uh, uh, all uh, all this week uh, in looking at prayer we're actually looking prayer as a witness uh, to the to the community uh, you'll love uh, what we have to share with you today now of course to guide us through our discussion today we're actually joined by two people in the studio we've got our regular uh, Wednesday co-host uh, pastor David Butcher. And David, of course, is the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Uh, welcome to you, David. Good afternoon, Gary. It's great to be with you again. Isn't it a magic day in Adelaide today? It's too good to be shut in a cube of a radio um, station room and uh, with... Only a small slither of natural light. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I, I tell you, outside today, I was just—I've been driving around the entire day. There hasn't been a solitary uh, cloud in the sky. Um, I've actually my my church is based down on the uh, on the beaches, so I actually got some lunch down uh, and actually uh, had a look at the you know at the beaches while I was down there, and uh, that's really beautiful. The temperature is an idyllic, I think, twenty-two degrees. Um, I mean. Where else in Australia would you want to live? That's exactly right. So, uh, yeah, big shout out to everyone that lives in Adelaide and South Australia, but also, Gary, our listeners right across this great nation. Yeah, we probably should acknowledge them. I mean, I certainly have lived in enough places in Australia, and I know how good other places actually are too. But, uh, uh, wow, on days like this, uh, uh, you can only be uh, positive and excited about this place that we uh, that we live. Uh, but uh, uh, look, we, we do actually have two of us uh, in the um, uh, in the studio today, or two people apart from myself and David, uh, and uh, that's uh, Lindy Sparing. Now, uh, Lindy is the prayer ministries leader uh, of uh, uh, for the South Australian district uh, in uh, based here in Adelaide. Now, welcome to you, Lindy. Good afternoon, Pastor Gary. It's lovely to be here. I'm a little bit nervous surrounded by you and Pastor David, but I think I can hold my own. I think you probably can too, actually. I don't know why you'd be nervous at all. Nobody else uh, certainly is, but it's wonderful to have you uh, in you. the uh, in the studio. Look, let, let me just uh, come to you just uh, straight away, if I possibly can, because this week we've been celebrating this thing called you know, a week of prayer. This is something that the Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, does in the, the first week of spring every Every single uh, year. Now, Lindy, uh, you're the prayer ministry's leader. That means the buck stops with you. That means if anything goes wrong, uh, we can uh, blame uh, blame Lindy. But look, just tell us, um, you know, why have a week of prayer? I mean, didn't weeks of prayer go out with the dinosaurs? 
That's a very, very good question, Pastor Gary. And this isn't just for Australia. It's actually for the whole world. Mm. Right across the world, that first week in spring, well, in Australia it's spring, but first week in September, people are celebrating, if you like, or coming together in a special way to honour this week of prayer. Now, it's not just about prayer, even though it's called week of prayer. It's also about focusing on a particular study, and readings and drawing closer to the Lord through that way as well as having that. So what, so, so what do we actually, I mean, I know what my church has been doing this week, but I mean, how have churches that you're responsible for here in South Oz, uh, how have they been celebrating this week? So I've talked to some of the folk and what they're doing is they're meeting more regularly for this time of reading and prayer. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they're meeting in person in the church, sometimes they're meeting on Zoom, yep. or perhaps even over the phone. But what I found too, that some of the churches will have a special uh, breakfast, a prayer breakfast. Uh-huh. Some of them will have a special evening. Now, I can think back to our, my time in Nunawadding, if I'm allowed to mention this, but we had it like a really strong spiritual focus. We had 24-hour prayer vigil. We had um, a special guest speaker. We had an agape feast. And, and across South Australia, there are some churches that are doing something and there are others that may not do as much. So it's mm-hmm. really up to them mm-hmm. and also the the time that they get all the information. Sometimes because this is all generated from America, it can come a bit later, so it's harder to make all the plans. But from what I'm hearing, people are really enjoying the readings and gaining a special blessing mm-hmm. as they focus on prayer. Yeah, yeah. Look, I appreciate what you're saying there because I know that in my church, this has been a incredibly exhausting week for me actually because each night we've actually been having um, a, a time of prayer in church members' homes and we've had two homes open uh, every every night. Actually, tonight there's three homes that are that are opened and uh, our uh, our friends, our church members, and the the friends of our church are actually visiting those homes and just spending time in prayer and I know that you know that certainly I mean I've I've been Monday night, Tuesday night. I certainly uh, led one of the homes on both those occasions, and I was abundantly blessed. And, you know, you don't you don't realise uh, how good it is to be able to uh, get together uh, with uh, other believers and to have them pray for you and you to be able to pray for them. It it does something for you. It's very, very powerful and I so wish that everybody who's a Christian understood what a great blessing you gain from gathering together and and the love that's poured out in those sorts of meetings is something that you go away not only just feeling good, but I believe you receive a measure of uh, spiritual growth and healing in that. So I strongly encourage our churches to get together in a special way during week of prayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, I love that word unity. Actually, I mean, you don't actually realise how close it's able you're able to come to other believers until you're actually hearing some of their stories. I know, you know, certainly on Monday night, you know, there was a uh, a number of our people I shared on, you know, things that had occurred in their life, and there were things that I certainly didn't know about. Yes. Um, but uh, it certainly brings you very close to them with understanding. Because uh, suddenly, uh, you know, their their life journey 
makes incredible uh, credible sense. Well, you know, it makes sense to me. You know, I can understand. I can empathise uh, better, better right. with with where they're actually at. That's right. Um, and you come to know that person a lot better, and there's more of an acceptance and a, an understanding and empathy between each other. And mm. so that when you see each other again at church. There's a, there's a subtle shift sometimes in how the relationship goes forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, look, really appreciate what you're sharing, David. Look, let me just come to you if I can, because you're of course the you know you're the you're my boss, you're Lindy's boss. You know, we do whatever it is that you you know you you ask of uh, uh, of us, and oh, you've got I a don't. big smile on your oh, face. I think at you the, should spend uh, more time uh, in prison. <laughs> but um, David, look, do you think? I mean, I'm conscious, you know, your your understanding of prayer, because uh, you know, increasingly, you know. I'm conscious that it's very easy for churches to become, I suppose, program driven. Uh, you know, I mean, how do you see it? I mean, how how important is this this type of week in the life of the church? Yeah, yeah, it'd be wonderful if it wasn't needed, wouldn't it? That mm. if uh, if vibrant prayer was a, and it is in a number of our churches clearly across Australia, but wouldn't it be wonderful? If that was the case continually, yeah. and it does happen in homes and it happens privately, but there is something special when when a, a church, a group of people, come together corporately to pray. Mm. And and uh, while I love this particular week, which I guess we, we we focus on, I guess once a year, there are clearly small groups and 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 prayer groups happening all the time. But the ones that I really value is uh, something that we call 10 days of prayer. Mm. Typically, uh, our church in Australia does that in February. And what I like about that is its key focus Mm. is not so much on biblical exposition or reading, but it is focused primarily and the majority of it on prayer. Yeah. Yeah, because often we 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 sort of uh, we are program driven as Christians often aren't we? And and often we we sort of uh, bookend a, a program with prayer at the beginning and prayer at the end, and it's almost yeah. like. Yeah. And so often I hear people say, "Look, let let's just begin with a, a short prayer or a quick prayer." Yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, I could be guilty of that myself at times, but it almost is like we've got to get this thing out the way that is insignificant, so we can get to the main thing. Yeah. Where in reality, it was prayer. And the power of the Holy Spirit that empowered the early church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that is so true. And look, folks, if perchance you would like us to be able to, to pray for you, please feel free to send in your prayer request. Now, we won't send out your your name or anything like like that. But look, if you want to text us in to our studio text number, our studio text number is 04888 80811, 04888 80811. And if you would like us to simply pray for some need that you have gotten, we will not release your, uh, your name. Uh, at all, uh, but if you would like us to pray for you, please send in your request uh, because we would love to be able uh, to pray uh, for you. Oh four triple eight eight oh eight. Eleven. Uh, okay. Look, before we come to our uh, uh, to our uh, to our study, look, I just love. We've just got a very short um, World Watch segment. This is a part of the program that I really appreciate being involved in. I I stumbled across a uh, an article uh, this morning, and uh, it was entitled Six Good Questions to Use When Engaging on Hot Topics." Now, increasingly, now we're actually living in a world uh, where the number of hot 
topics is multiplying uh, by the uh, by the day. How can I be a witness? Because certainly in our sharing together uh, in our groups this week, the thing which we're looking at is how can I be a witness? How can I be an effective sharer uh, of uh, of biblical truth? How do you physically do that? Now, this article is one that uh, certainly emphasised something that I know I've certainly been trying to uh, to emphasise for some time. And uh, this is this is what it said: uh, it can be intimidating to engage our neighbours on cultural issues these days. It seems that every conversation is a potential minefield where the slightest wrong word can get you banished from polite society as a bigot or a hater. This is where we can take a lesson from two of the greatest teachers of all times. Uh, This article suggests Jesus and Socrates both were masters of their craft and both used questions to lead their listeners to answer to the answers they sought. Here are some questions I found extremely helpful to create the sort of dialogue we should desire about issues of faith and culture. Now, now to me, this is so key. Uh, certainly, I know that I've shared many times with people, hey, if you want to share your faith, uh, the best way, you actually don't need a lot of information, but rather you simply need to be able to do what Jesus did and ask questions. And uh, this article suggested the very first question we have to learn to ask is, what did you mean by that? Mm. Now, that's such a simple question. Uh, He goes on to comment, the battle of ideas is always tied up uh, in the battle over the definition of words. Thus, it's vital in any conversation to clarify the terms being used. For example, the most important thing to clarify about same-sex marriage is the definition of marriage. Uh, when When this topic comes up, it's best to say, hold on, before we go too far into uh, what kind of union should be considered marriage? What do you mean by marriage? Often, when it comes to these crucial issues, we're all using the same vocabulary, but rarely the same dictionary. Now, I, I'm really interested, you know, um, uh, Lindy, I don't know whether I can throw this one to you first or to David. I'd love to get your feedback on both of you. Know, how important, if I am going to be a witness, is asking questions? David, let's go your way first. Well, certainly Jesus, uh, his ministry, I was going to say, was peppered with questions. He peppered people with questions. Uh, and I guess in today's study, as we get into that, we'll find that out ourselves. But Jesus was regularly asking questions. It makes people think. It yeah. makes them contemplate. And it almost, um, I shouldn't say forces conversation. It doesn't. But, but it builds curiosity and it shows interest. Mm. So for me it's vital. Um, you, you begin to understand what may lie behind someone's response. Yeah, yeah. No, I really appreciate what, you, what you're saying there because I know that sometimes uh, you know Christians can come across as being you know the people who've got all the answers but once you start to ask questions you suddenly present yourself as a person who doesn't have uh, all the answers but is uh, seeking to understand and is seeking understanding just two examples of that 
blind Bartimaeus, uh, Mark chapter 10. Here is this man Bartimaeus and he's calling out when he finds out it's Jesus of Nazareth. And when the crowd, when Jesus stops and uh, the crowd tells him to come to Jesus, Jesus, he comes to Jesus, he's blind and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Well, it's pretty obvious. I want my sight back. But Jesus asks the question, the woman with the flow of blood, um, when uh, she touches the hem of Jesus' garment, he mm-hmm. knows who it is, but he says, who touched me? Why? Because he wants to arouse and engage conversation with that person, with that woman that had had a blood flow for 12 years. Because he asked her that question and she, she exhibited her faith mm-hmm. with her answer, he was able to call her a daughter of Abraham, a child of God. Mm-hmm. She would never have heard that word for those whole, that saying for a whole 12 years of her blood flow. So asking questions, draws people out of, of, of themselves. It shows where they are at and it enables you to, to build that relationship much deeper. Yeah, love it, love it. Lindy? I think, Pastor Gary, it actually shows respect for the person. I don't know about you, but I've met people who talk about themselves the whole time and they never sort of engage in a conversation. Yeah, and yeah. I think it shows respect for that person. You're reaching out. You actually show that you care about them. And when you ask questions and you you start to break down prejudices as well because some people are like, mm. well, here's this religious person. They're going to get the Bible and bash me over the head with it. Or, But you're actually showing I care about what you think mm. and I want to know you know, what you think about this topic. Again, I totally agree with Pastor David. It helps to clarify what they mean by a certain uh, topic and how it's um, impacting their lives at that time. Yeah. yeah. Gary, um, if I could share something quite personal. Uh, 30 years ago, I uh, met... that old. Well, I wish I was only 30, but 30 <laughs> years ago I met uh, the now love of my life who is my wife and um, we met at a youth convention on the second last night of the convention and, uh, you know, I was with some friends and, and one of the friends I was with was friends with someone that Megan was with and uh, I, w- I was from Melbourne, we were in Adelaide and and um, so we got introduced and so I sat opposite my now wife three years after that event and um, I just peppered her with stacks of questions. She probably didn't know anything about me, but I certainly knew everything about her by the end of that couple of hours, and she probably felt like she'd been under interrogation. But, mm. yeah, asking questions. But it, but it reaped a rich reward. It did. And so, <laughs> hello, Megan, if you're listening. <laughs> I'm sure she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, look, this is this is so key. You know, more and more I'm finding, certainly in my ministry, you know, when I come across uh, people who are, uh, who are struggling with faith, the best Way to respond is often with questions. Hundred percent. It it really makes people think and reflect, and often it challenges their presuppositions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Look, let's come to some uh, some music. Uh, this uh, this is a really uh, uh, a really beautiful song. Uh, Make me a channel of your peace, and that through prayer is exactly what we're wanting uh, to make. Uh, each of our listeners. Uh, may the Lord abundantly bless you. Please enjoy uh, this piece of music. Make me a channel of your of your peace. Make me a channel of your peace where there is hatred let me bring your love where there is injury or pardon me. 
barren life Let me bring hope And where there's darkness Only light And where there's sadness Advent Vocal Ensemble and the song uh, Make Me a Channel of Your Peace. Indeed, that's what the believer has actually been called to be, a channel uh, of the Lord's peace. Now, look, guys, we do have uh, some fantastic things coming up and some uh, fantastic giveaways today. Now, look, our giveaway today is a real ripper. Uh, it's uh, a book entitled Incredible Power of Prayer by Roger Morneau. Now, um, uh, Lindy, now you're the prayer ministry's leader. You must be familiar with this book. If you're not, you're in trouble. Uh, tell, uh, are you familiar with it? <laughs> Nothing like putting someone on the spot. I am very familiar with this book and all the books that he's written. I've got about 40 books on prayer. I'm very, very passionate You'd recommend them? It. This particular, all of his books are fantastic. This particular one, it will whet your appetite mm. to want to grow closer to the Lord Jesus and to see lives transformed around you and to see his power and work in your life. Incredible answers to prayer throughout this book and Roger Monod was very faithful, he came under attack at times, he, he used to receive thousands of calls and letters wow. requesting intercessory prayer and I'm sure he couldn't manage it all himself mm. but he has uh, so many stories to tell in that book Pastor Gary, it's a wonderful giveaway yeah, yeah, yeah. No, look, this is, this is one, uh, to me, I think is one of our uh, preeminent uh, giveaways. This is the sort of book that, uh, look, if you have family devotional, and we encourage you to have family devotional time, uh, you know, maybe in the, uh, in the evening at home. This is the sort of book that is fantastic to be able to read. It's, uh, it's stories, it's illustrations telling about the way, uh, that the Most High God is able to work in the lives of the individual. Uh, so look, if you would like your own copy, this is a giveaway. This is our gift to you today. The book is entitled Incredible Power of Prayer by Roger Mornay. And uh, all you need to do is to uh, text us. Now, our studio text number is 04888. 
8011 and all you need to do is to put in the uh, message uh, the uh, today's code which is SA134 that's five digits in a row please don't put a gap between the SA and the 134 uh, because uh, our uh, uh, our robot that uh, processes this is a cheap robot he can't understand it if you go SA134 uh, with a gap um, so five digits in a row SA134 and just simply text that to 04888 that'll go just simply through to our robot uh, our robot will come back to you get a bit of information out of you uh, so that uh, we can uh, we can get this book to you in the very in the fastest way possible you will love this book I hope lots um, of people get it Pastor Gary it'll change their lives yeah uh, and look that's what we're into we're into seeing life changing uh, events 04888 and the code is SA134 now we also have uh, two fantastic um, uh, uh, offers uh, for you today now um, a lot of people don't actually well I hope people have uh, realised that we do have a dinner with Robbie and the drive time team coming up here in Adelaide now that's going to occur not this Saturday night but the following one and uh, this is going to be something we're uh, bringing a uh, Pastor Robbie Bergen from uh, Melbourne. He's coming across here to Adelaide. He's going to be present at our uh, dinner with Robbie. That's why it's called Dinner with Robbie uh, and the Drive Time presenters. But he's going to do just one 20-minute uh, uh, after-dinner uh, presentation. It's entitled A Bible Prophecy and Digital Currencies and Cashless Societies. Now, this is something I, I just handed a, 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 some advertising to a person just this afternoon and their response was wow that's a fantastic topic I want to hear that and uh, they've declared that they actually want to come along and uh, and hear this so look uh, please come to uh, uh, here, if you happen to be in the Adelaide, the larger environs, dinner with Robbie and the Drive Time team, not this Saturday night, but the following uh, Saturday night, and you can get your tickets. You do need to pre-book by going to the Faith FM website. That's faithfm.com.au backslash events. faithfm.com dot au backslash events if you've missed that you can actually text us and just simply say hey look you know what was that uh, uh, that um, uh, website address again and we'll come back to you and share that uh, with you faithfm.com.au events you will love uh, this particular program now of course there's just there's even more I feel like uh, uh, Joe with the steak knives at the uh, at the present time <laughs> uh, we have got uh, coming up now uh, uh, just uh, this Sunday, um, this is a second-hand uh, Christian book sale right here in Adelaide. Look, if you happen to be in Adelaide, in fact, if you're not in Adelaide and you want to get some of the best Christian books in the country, uh, you need to fly into Adelaide uh, because at the Paravista Seventh-day Adventist Church, now this is uh, 132 Nelson Road in Paravista. This is going to be one giant Christian book sale. It's going to be commencing at 10 a.m. and going through to 2 p.m. That's this Sunday 
at the Paravista Seventh-day Adventist Church. Now, there's going to be books including Bibles, theology, Bible study, Christian living, Christian biographies, family relationships, creation and evolution, devotionals, health, music. Uh, there's going to be uh, children's books, uh, Christian and church history. There's going to be end-time events. Uh, it's going to have teaching aids, DVDs, CDs, and many of these books uh, are books that are out of print and you can't get them anymore. Now look, if you want to come, this is a Christian book sale that's second to none. Uh, it's occurring this Sunday in Adelaide, commencing at 10am through to 2pm at the Paravista Seventh-day Adventist Church. That's 132 Nelson Road, Paravista. Or just look it up in your phone book, Paravista Seventh-day Adventist Church, and uh, you'll be able to, to come along. You'll love uh, these uh, uh, these books. Uh, now, uh, I've, I've wasted too much time uh, today uh, sharing uh, all the good things that are coming up in the very near future. But you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. And guiding us uh, through our discussion today is our regular Wednesday co-host, Pastor David Butcher. And David is, in fact, the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in South Oz. We also have with us uh, Lindy Sperring. And uh, Lindy is the prayer ministries leader uh, of the Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, here in uh, in this state. Uh, and this week, we're sharing our week of prayer uh, emphasis. And today, we're considering the role of prayer in witness. David. Now, probably one of the best examples of witness is actually found in the life of Christ. Can you take us through this? I mean, there's some, there's some here. This is, there's some powerful illustrations in this story. Very powerful. So we find ourselves in the Gospel of John, one of my favourite books, because it's just layer upon layer upon layer. And you can just dig so deep. And Gary, we need an hour and a half, but that's not going to happen. So I want to challenge our listeners, when you get home, when you've had, uh, when you've had dinner or tea, uh, when the kids are in bed, open the Gospel of John to John chapter 4, a story that many of you will know well. It's a story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman and the encounter with Jesus and 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 we think we know this story but the further we dig the more we find and 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 Gary you said that um, this shows how to witness I just want to share with people and obviously we have Lindy and yourself as well that can join in but just a couple of principles of evangelism that we find in this story just before we dig any deeper firstly the story of the woman at the well and the encounter with the life giver Jesus Christ we discover that prospects are found amongst the most unlikely people. Mm. Mm. Secondly, we find that prospects are found in the most unlikely places. Thirdly, we find that prospects are found at the most unlikely times. And fourthly, the mission field begins where we are. And so Jesus modeled this in this story. And at the end of the story, we find that the woman is using some of the same principles that Jesus used in her conversion. She puts them into practice. So it's an incredible story. Woman at the well, uh, John chapter 4. So the story begins with uh, Jesus uh, needing to go to Galilee, but... To get to Galilee, he, the Bible says in, in John chapter 4 verse 3 that he needed to go through Samaria. The reality is that that was the shortest route. 
But if you're an Orthodox Jew and a devout Jew, uh, your GPS, when you looked it up and, and you typed, if you're in Judah down south and you wanted to go to Galilee, your GPS would show that the best route was a longer one and was a diversion. You, you would leave Judea, you would head east and cross the Jordan River, you would then go north parallel with the Jordan River, up through Perea, you would then turn west, cross the Jordan River into Galilee, thus avoiding this uh, hated territory, the, uh, a dirty, filthy territory, if you like, mm. called Samaria and the Samaritan people. There was hatred. And, and Lindy, there's some things that I know you've noticed in this story about um, the challenges, the cultural challenges, if you like. Well, normally Jesus or any man during that time wouldn't speak to a woman on their own. It wasn't appropriate. And also the woman herself was, if you think about that she was at the well during a time of day when there weren't other people around, she was ostracized from the rest of her community. And so there's a few things I've noticed. Like here's the, here's the lowest of low, this woman, and then Jesus starts engaging with her at the well because you know, he's thirsty, she's getting water for her home, whatever she needs it for. I find it incredibly powerful that Jesus wants to talk to this woman. So you're in the town you talked about, the lowest of low. The woman's the lowest of low in some ways in the way she lived. But Jesus wants to talk to her. And that's really interesting because John 4, 3 says that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. No, he didn't need to go there. Uh, technically, he didn't. He could Spiritually, have, he, he needed to. He spiritually needed to because there was one lost woman. A woman from a despised race, a woman that li- had lived a a, a very um, um, colorful, colorful life. She'd had five husbands, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five. And we find her in this story. She's living with a sixth, who's not a husband. Mm. So, so. If you're going to get your priorities with evangelism and you put your good Christian hat on and you don't want to get your hands dirty, this is someone you do not want to engage with. Absolutely. And yet Jesus gives us this incredible model for evangelism. It's interesting that um, just to show the hatred and and the despise between Jews and Samaritans, um, there were some uh, Pharisees that would pray a regular prayer that no Samaritan would be raised in the resurrection. Wow. And secondly, if you doubt that, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 48, says, The Jews answered him, that's Jesus, and they say, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? So if, you want to, if, a, if a, a Jew wants to put down another Jew in biblical times, one, you could say they're demon-possessed. Mm-hmm. And this was said to Jesus, mm-hmm. you're demon-possessed. But if that's not enough, we'll say... Uh, you know, we're correct in saying you're a Samaritan. You're not a Jew, you're a Samaritan. Mm. So there was this utter despisement amongst them because the Samaritans couldn't prove their heritage. It was no longer pure. But a woman comes to, to, to Jesus from Samaria at a well. Well, she doesn't come to... This is the thing. She doesn't come to Jesus knowingly. She comes to meet her physical needs. Mm-hmm. The water. Jesus needed to go there because he needed to meet her, but she doesn't know it. And this is the wonderful thing. God works through anyone who has a hope, an open and willing heart who wants to witness for him. God will create divine appointments. And so Jesus is sitting there. His disciples have gone into the village to go and buy physical bread. The woman who is despised and ostracized by her people comes to the well in the middle of the day where she can get peace and not be insulted, mm-hmm. not be degraded. The heat of the day. Jesus is there. He's waiting for that divine appointment. Mm-hmm. And she comes to get physical water, 
And you began our discussion today with a, a thing on the importance of asking questions. Well, Jesus, it was sort of a question. He said to her, can you give me a drink? Mm-hmm. And that, that was a question. What can, a good way to Can you to give start. me a drink? Yeah. Now, it's interesting. She had a need. It was a physical need for water. He was thirsty. So we need to know what other people's needs are. He asked mm. her a question, knowing that she had a need for water, but he asked her to do something for him, which is unusual. I mean, I don't typically do that when I engage with people. But it mm-hmm. empowers that person, and I've started to understand this principle that if you invite this woman who is so despised, who's so looked down upon, that she can give something to that man. She's got something to give. She's got the bucket there. She can lower it into the well and get the water and give it to Jesus. And I think sometimes we can learn, you said about asking questions, Pastor Gary, in asking people to give us something. Mm. It empowers them. It enables them. It raises them. And that, that's true. I mean, for me, it doesn't come naturally, but this is what Jesus did. Yes. You know, we go to people thinking we've got something we want to offer them, but Jesus asks something from her. Yeah, and yeah. so then, um, then there is this rapport that begins to happen in the story, and and maybe if I can pick it up in um, in verses nine and ten, then the woman of Samaria said to him, "That's Jesus. How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans." Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So she comes for physical uh, refreshment. Mm-hmm. He wants to give her spiritual refreshment. Um, she, there, there is now a banter. There is conversation happening. Mm-hmm. There is a rapport that is building, although mm-hmm. it would be fair to say She's saying, hey, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? There's an unease with her. It's out of, it's out of her, her life experience. Never is a man going to talk to her at the well. Yeah, yeah. That's correct. So there is rapport that's established, but then Jesus builds her interest. Mm-hmm. He says, if you had have known who it was that was asking you for a drink, you would have asked him. In other words, you would have asked me, and I would have given you living water. Mm-hmm. So he builds interest and, 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 and that begins to happen. Now, a conversation can end there and it's not a spiritual conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, he asked for a drink. But we need to ensure that, that the priority of our focus is on the spiritual well-being of all humanity. Mm-hmm. And so he brings it into a spiritual element and um, he's focused on her need, physical water, but now he really wants to focus on her ultimate need, and that is the the salvation itself. Yeah, no, this is this is this is incredibly powerful because what he's doing is he's transitioning, isn't he? You know, from from something that is uh, just day to day, something very common, uh, into something that uh, is actually going to touch the deepest part of her heart. That's right. And so Jesus goes along with the story, but then in verses eleven and twelve, so Jesus said, "Look, if you had have known who, who it was who was speaking to you, you would ask him to give you water." She says in verse eleven and twelve, and Lindy, I don't know if you have. That there and are happy to read it. She says, "Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep.' So she's she's thinking about the physical water still, even though she's heard the words living water. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds?" So she's sort of, 
you know, she's trying to put him in his place a little bit, isn't it? Isn't she? She's like, well, who do you think you are? You know, we've there's pushback. There's pushback, and so sometimes when we engage with people about Jesus, there's pushback, mm. and so one of the messages and the lessons here is don't be put off by being pushed back. In other words, people will often uh, respond, and sometimes it's with a little bit of hesitancy. Uh, when uh, when you present to them the uh, the, the, the biblical word, yeah, there, there is, and so she's ignorant of three things. She's ignorant of who it is that's speaking to her, what he has to offer, and how to receive it. And, and so she hasn't come down in the last shower. She's been around the block a few times. Say so those three things again. They're important. Okay. Well, I've got to remember them. She's ignorant of three things: who it is that's speaking to her, yep. what he has to offer, mm-hmm. and how to receive it. Okay, those are really significant statements, I believe, David, because uh, it is those are so applicable to the world in which we are living today. Uh, there are so many who don't understand who Jesus is, don't understand the power that can actually come uh, from Him, and you know, to, to me, this is just uh, just hugely uh, relatable, uh, certainly to to those that I minister to. But look, David, look, I'm wondering if we can actually. Uh, maybe come to some music because our time is starting to get away uh, from us. Uh, this is uh, Evie and uh, Pelly Carlson, and this is Nehemiah's prayer. This is a really uh, beautiful uh, little uh, little song. Uh, please, please enjoy. Oh 
that uh, was uh, Evie and Pelly Carlson, uh, one uh, musicians from my era, uh, Nehemiah's Prayer. What a beautiful, uh, what a beautiful um, uh, song that uh, that really is. And of course, our theme this week is on this whole subject of prayer. Now, guys, look, we do have uh, this uh, this really beaut uh, book, uh, The Power of Prayer. Now, look, these are walking out the door. Uh, if you have missed, uh, we do have a couple of copies uh, left. This is entitled The Incredible Power of Prayer. This is the sort of book that you'll use uh, in your in your devotional time, maybe in for family worship, to be able to share some wonderful stories of the way that the uh, our God does work uh, in the day and age in which we live. The Incredible Power of Prayer by Roger Amorno. And uh, look, if you'd like this book, all you need to do is to text us. Our studio text number is 04888 11 triple eight eight oh eight eleven, and the code that you need to send to us is SA134, five digits in a row, and uh, that'll go to our robot. Our robot will contact you, uh, get some details so that we can get this book to you in the fastest way possible. SA134 to 04888 Also, please don't forget uh, that uh, secondhand uh, Christian book sale. If you happen to be here in Adelaide this weekend, uh, this is going to be a really fantastic. This is just specialising in second-hand Christian books. Uh, this is going to be bigger than Ben-Hur. It's commencing Sunday, the September the 10th. That's this Sunday from 10 a.m. at the Paravista Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, Church Hall. Uh, that's in Nelson Road at Paravista. You can get that uh, uh, address out of the uh, out of the street directory if you uh, if you've missed that and all proceeds uh, are going to actually be going to the Faith FM Christian Radio uh, so uh, we we certainly want to sponsor this because uh, all proceeds are coming through to support the ministry of Faith FM uh, second hand Christian books this Sunday September 10 10 a.m. at the Paravista Seventh Day Adventist Church Nelson Road Paravista. You will love it. Also, if you haven't registered uh, for our free community dinner, uh, guys, look, this is the time to do it. Uh, uh, that is fast filling up. We still do have a few seats uh, available. We're going to have Pastor Robbie Bergen's going to be there. He's going to be doing a 20-minute uh, after-dinner presentation talking about uh, prophecy, digital currencies, and cashless societies. Now, that is something that's going to be worth hearing. Uh, we'll also have some uh, uh, some books uh, available there as well. A, a full a book display will be there as well. You'll love this dinner with the presenters. I would love to meet you. Um, David would love to meet you. Lindy would love to meet you. And uh, of course, Robbie's going to be there as well. We're going to have all our presenters there. You will be able uh, to say good day. Uh, great uh, to be able to, to touch base with you. Uh, that's not this Saturday night, but next. You can book it uh, on the Faith FM website, faithfm.com.au backslash events. You will love 
that. Uh, now, guys, uh, welcome back. You are listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. And guiding us through our discussion is our regular Wednesday co-host, Pastor David Butcher. And uh, he's actually being supported today by Lindy Sperring, who's our prayer ministries leader here in uh, the great state of uh, of South Oz. Dave, David, you've got about, uh, uh, about five or six minutes to pull it all together. So uh, just bring it together for us. Okay, Jesus offers this woman uh, water that will not make her thirst again. And she asks him in verses 13 to 15, she asks for some of that water. But then, Lindy, I'm wondering whether you can... Um, can you read for us verses 16 to 18 of John 4? So Jesus is talking to her and he says, He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So Jesus, it gets to the point where Jesus has got her confront this woman with her sin. And, and I believe, Gary, that there is no conversion until there is conviction. Uh, uh, look, look, I think this is something that our religious world today has really missed and overlooked. So the woman needed to be convicted of her sin. It got to the point where Jesus says, hey, go get your husband. And she says, I don't have one. He says, hey, you've answered correct, but you've had five and you're living with someone else who's not your husband. Uh, she's brought to a decision point. And um, Jesus wants to challenge her of her sin, but he does not condemn her. We're often good at condemning, but he's he doesn't. He's amazing. He's amazing with grace, isn't he? He treats her with such graciousness. He does. He does. And so then Jesus, she talks about she knows a Messiah is coming. And Jesus finally says to her in verse 26, he says, I who speak to you am he. And then Lindy, I'm wondering if you can read verse 28 to 29 of the chapter. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. So so this is beautiful. This woman, now um, she, she knows she's met Jesus and she rushes back to the town where she is ostracized, the town that has no significance. It's a Samaritan town. She says, come meet a man, to the men, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Guess what? They knew what she'd done. That's why she was ostracized. But she then says, could this be the Christ? Wow. She asks them a question. That's right. Could this be the Christ? So again, she's implemented what Jesus said. The story is then broken. She's left. Uh, just as she's leaving, the disciples return from the village with bread, physical bread, the same village. And they see Jesus with, with a woman, which is, which is shameful. And they're so astonished, they don't know what to ask. So they say, hey, we've got bread. He says, I've eaten. I, I, I don't need to eat. And they think, well, who's given him food? But then he says, look around at the hills. Uh, you say it's four months to the harvest. They're ripe for harvest. And as they look around, they see the village people coming out to meet Jesus. And if we pick the story up in uh, those final verses, Lindy, and um, verse 39 to 42, if you could read that, please. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. 
So this is really powerful. Typically when someone comes to Christ, not always, but typically there is another human being involved. Uh, 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 someone that is a go-between, if you like. Someone that has a relationship with Jesus, a witnesser. And so the Samaritan woman now is a witness for Jesus. She rushes back to the town, her own people. Start where we live. She says, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They follow her based on her word, her witness. She didn't give a Bible study. She just said, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Could it be the Christ? They come and they say to the woman, they say, look, um, we came to him because of what you said. Mm. But now we believe, not because of what you've said, but because we've experienced it experienced it ourselves. We cannot live on a second-hand encounter with Jesus. It lasts only so long. We have to have that fresh encounter for ourselves. And they believe that he's the saviour of the world. This woman becomes the first missionary. Five failed marriages, living in adultery, becomes the first missionary in the Gospel of John. And how powerful is this? Because, you know, one of the things I'm really conscious of, David, is that, uh, you know, as uh, as parents, you know, we desire our children to adopt the faith that uh, is uh, is thoroughly biblical, uh, faith that we, that we certainly, certainly are presenting to them. Uh, but the thing I'm so conscious of is that it's physically impossible for even our own ch- children uh, to actually have uh, a second-hand faith. They must have a personalized faith. They exactly. need to meet Jesus for themselves. They need to meet Jesus for themselves. I just want to touch on, Gary, I know we need to wind up. For me, the thing that hits me hardest the most is Jesus' disciples in verse 8 went into the town to get bread, physical bread, the Mm -hmm. same town the woman comes from. They come back on a successful mission with physical bread that will perish. They see no potential in this town, no kingdom growth. They've got blinkers on. They're covered. Their eyes are covered with prejudice, scales Mm -hmm. of prejudice. Mm -hmm. No mission. And yet these were Jesus, these were the professionals. These were the ones trained by Jesus, spending time with him. They were the evangelists. This despised woman goes back to the same town that she comes from, the same town the disciples have just left, Uh that they see no potential, and she goes in there with a message from Jesus, a message of her own personal story. Yeah. Could this be the Christ? And there is a great harvest in that town. In fact, Jesus stays two more days. And so, Gary, for me, I guess um, uh, this woman's testimony testimony is powerful. But what a who would have thought that through asking for a glass of water Mm. would have changed a woman with a sordid past from a despised race and and and. All of that, but not only that, but the people of the town came out, were converted. They asked Jesus to stay two more days, and he does. Mm. So I guess just some questions from my perspective, and, and Lindy and Gary, you might have some thoughts. You know, who do you see Jesus as? Who do we see Jesus as? She saw Jesus as a Jew, then um, then um, a prophet, mm-hmm. and then the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Mm. Another one is, what is blocking me from seeing and experiencing Jesus for who he is? Mm. The creator of the universe was sitting right next to this woman, and she was referring back to the ancestor Jacob who built the yeah, well. Yeah, 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 yeah. How blind can we be? Mm. All of us. And then lastly, what missional opportunities am I blind to? Yeah. You know, the disciples were the professionals. Yeah. Yeah. They did not have any didn't see any interest. But they any were looking prospect. for a worldly kingdom, Dave. 
David. They hadn't understood the heavenly kingdom was all around them waiting to be harvested, if you know what I mean. That yeah, spiritual, yeah. Um, they didn't have that spiritual insight. They kept looking at the physical mm-hmm. and not understanding the broader. And we can do the same. So they were with Jesus but hadn't really experienced what this woman had experienced at this point in time. So, Gary, that's the challenge I want to leave with um, with, leave with our listeners and leave for myself. Um, what's our witness? Yeah. Come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. What's our story? Yeah. It doesn't have to be a Bible study, but what has Jesus done in my life? She was transformed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David, let's have prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, I want to come to you now. Lord, I want to say thank you for being the almighty God. Lord, I, I want to say thank you for being Savior. Thank you for giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for giving us extremely, exceedingly great and precious promises. Thank you for giving us your word. Lord, I'm just conscious there may be some people who are feeling a little bit like that woman at the well that Jesus met right now. Lord, I want to pray particularly for that person. Uh, Lord, you know who they are. Lord, if they raise their hand to you right now, I just pray that you might descend on them by their, by your Holy Spirit. I pray that you might forgive their sin and that you might empower them uh, to have the peace that you have promised. Lord, we ask and pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor David Butcher with Lindy Sparing on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join Drive Time tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Pastor Hugh Heenan, uh, they will be leading uh, our discussion. Really look forward uh, to uh, being with you then. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God abundantly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.